We'll begin with the uh, set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your truth. Heavenly Father, have grace and mercy on me. Help us to glorify you by carrying your message. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm uh, doing a series of talks on the um, um, I'm sorry, I have to change the settings on the phone so that if people, I can't accept calls. If I do, then the, the uh, recording shuts off. And so I'm at home uh, recording and I'm doing another podcast on the spiritual experience or spiritual awakening and how it's the result of the steps and looking at the information in the book on the directions and how that applies to uh, obtaining a spiritual awakening and a new uh, relationship with God and a power to live and a way it designed for living that works. And I mentioned uh, Wednesday night at the meeting that uh, I traveled the week before and got home on, uh, this is Friday, I got home on Monday. And uh, it was, I had to deal with some disturbing uh, situations and people and I found that uh, it's very easy to talk about the principles, but practicing them requires work. And I had to uh, pause, and I had to say the four prayers, and I have to remember that I can't react in unfit spiritual condition, and I have to stay in relationship with God. And I want to tell you, uh, I did uh, pretty well. I wasn't perfect, but... I tried to get undisturbed and to forgive and to see things differently, and especially to help my wife, Patty, who was really, it was, uh, I don't want to go into any details, but it was tough. And so we're home now, and we're back into our, uh, our, our boring life, uh, retired, and uh, so I thought I'd do a podcast and uh, continue on these podcast series on the spiritual experience of spiritual awakening. I will mention that on Wednesday night we had a young lady from uh, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, who uh, uh, attends the meeting on Zoom, and she's from Russia. And uh, she's, she said something that the big book is like a melody. And it's like a, a beautiful melody that you have to follow. And then I thought about that, and I said, you know, to myself, and I actually think I said at the meeting, and I thought about it some more. The big book is like a, a piano concerto on music, the, uh, the score, the written score that people use to play. They read the music, and they play the notes, and then the melody comes out. And the big book is just the score. And you play the music, and the melody comes from actually taking the action. And if it's a, and, and the actions can be difficult, and, some, and it's the practicing of the actions that produce the melody. And it sounds better the more you practice it. And I think that's true of the spiritual experience and the spiritual awakening. Uh, are you practicing 
the music and the melody and how is the melody working for you today versus yesterday or in the evening versus the morning. And you have to play it. Uh, to produce the melody, you have to keep taking the actions. And the spiritual awakening is not a, um, a, a result that you keep. You don't get a certificate and say spiritual awakening. It's something that has to be uh, produced every day through actions and the relationship with God and staying in the now and in the world of the spirit requires constant work. And uh, when, when we finish steps uh, six and seven, that's a step that you use all the time to get out of your self-centered character and to practice God's character. And Joe and Charlie made the point that we're very good at practicing our character and then the results are not pretty and we wanna, we wanna practice God's character more so that becomes automatic. And I could see that last week that, that you have to pause. You have to, you have to stop yourself when you feel you're getting disturbed. And you have to understand that I'm the only one that can make myself disturbed. I'm the only one that can uh, allow God to undisturb me. And uh, now we're gonna look at uh, eight and nine and how that's related to producing a spiritual awakening. And these are steps that, of course, six and seven you do all day long. And eight and nine you have to do all day long. If you need to make amends, you have to see where you're harming people. You have to be willing to make things right. And they talk about on page 76, my book's so marked up, I can't even see the page numbers anymore. It says six and seven are not enough. You have to do eight and nine. And the other thing is, if you have the music and it's on the piano stand, if you only play half the concerto, you only hear half the concerto. You have to play the whole thing. And so you can't just play some of the concerto and have, have the, the power of the music. You have to play the whole thing. And when people start a concert they don't, and playing a Tchaikovsky's piano concerto, they don't start in the middle. They start at the beginning. And so uh, that really made a lot of sense. So it says, faith without works is dead. And I've done some talks on that podcast on it, I believe. Uh, faith without works is dead. And so if I have faith in God, trust in God, but I'm not taking the actions of the steps, it, it doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't produce anything. I have no fruit in my life. So I can trust in God. I can believe in God. I can have true faith. But if I'm not taking the action of the steps and doing the work, then I won't have the peace and serenity. I won't have the uh, ability to deal with anger and feel, fear. I won't uh, stop harming people. I won't, I'll stop making decisions based on self that cause me to be harmed. And so uh, I have to continue to take the action or else the, the faith is dead and it's just like step three is just a decision if you don't take the actions nothing changes and each day you have to continue to do the work to keep your faith alive and so that it works it's not going to work if we don't work it you hear that it works if you work it but it won't work if you don't work it 
And you can have the music on the piano, but if you don't play it, you don't hear the melody. And then steps eight and nine is steps eight's about willingness to make amends. And why is that related to uh, a spiritual awakening? And it says, um, we've had a drastic self-appraisal, and now I want to go out to my fellows and repair the damage done in the past. I want to sweep away the debris which has accumulated out of my effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. And so I want to sweep away the debris that I've accumulated by harming others and living on self-will. And if I don't clear the debris away, then it's block that debris is, can block me from God. It may not block me this morning, but it could block me tonight. And, and what they're truly trying to do here is lose my fear of people. I don't want to fear anybody anymore. And the only reason I would fear them is that I have shame and guilt and I harm them. And I've said this, and I think it's hopefully still true today, that I'm not afraid for anybody to walk through the door, that if I had to make amends, I would be willing to. And that gives you freedom, because then you're not scared anymore. And so uh, we want to repair the damage and so that we can uh, have a new relationship with my creator that's not blocked by the damage, and I don't want to do more damage. And so that's why I have to practice these steps in all my affairs to keep from getting more damage and more debris. We're planning to move our house. We're thinking about it. We had three garage stalls. One of the garage stalls was completely full of crap. I mean, it was completely full, all sorts of stuff. And it had been that way for a long time. And then somebody said, well, you can get a trash compactor from the, uh, the waste management people, and they'll bring it, and then you can put the stuff in there, and they'll pick it up and take it away. And my daughter had mentioned that when she would visit every summer. She'd say, Dad, you know, you still have the the bird feeder out there and you've had for years that's under the thing and you have all this stuff we could just get I could just do it I said no no we don't need to do it and I looked at it I mean it really was you know it was pretty full and I couldn't use that garage stall and then we decided to uh, I called the compactor people and they said no problem they brought it out and then after a meeting on Saturday I had some of the guys come and we emptied it out and cleared everything out of the garage in about an hour and a half. And it was unbelievable. I should take a picture of it and put it on the site. I should have a before picture. And why didn't I do that? Why didn't I do that sooner? What was blocking me from doing it? And now I could use that garage stall. Now, I'm trying not to put more debris back in there because then it'll just fill up again. And I think that's a great one. Why didn't I do it sooner? Did you ever wonder why don't you do things sooner? You do it and it, it's done so quickly. And two, I could see how it was, how that is in my brain, it blocks me from God. And in fact, when I came in, all three garage stalls were blocked. And I don't wanna keep any of them blocked anymore. And 
It says that you don't have the will, you ask until it comes. And what makes you willing is you're awake, you're awake to the spirit that you don't want to be blocked. You don't want to carry and hang on to the debris anymore. You don't want to be, have, uh, be unwilling to make amends to anyone. And it says, remember it was agreed at the beginning. You should probably have the new person. I should probably have people I'd start to work with, write this out. Agree at, agree at the beginning, quote, uh, squiggly writing. We would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. And really what they're talking about, any victory over alcohol means victory over myself, victory over my self-centeredness, victory over the bondage of self. Any lengths for victory. What am I not willing to do? Remember, and I've seen this, and I think it, it happened to me. If you're not willing to do something, it's going to block you. Eventually, it's going to cause you problems. And I wasn't willing to call the trash compactor people and do the work, and it was blocked. Now, that's, that's not the same as uh, being blocked from God, but it's the same example. Are you unwilling to do a four-step? Are you unwilling to look at your resentments? Are you unwilling to say the prayers? Are you unwilling to forgive? Are you unwilling to look at your fears? Are you unwilling to ask God to remove your fear and direct your attention to be? In relationships, are you unwilling to look at how you harm people and how you need to make amends? Are you unwilling to make a sane sex ideal? Are you unwilling to do six and seven? Are you unwilling to, to confide in someone, admit to someone your faults and discuss it? Well, if you're not willing, nothing's gonna change. And I see a lot of people who are very willing and then they get unwilling. And I was gone for 10 days, and I have a new guy I'm working with, and we had done a lot of uh, resentments. And I said, well, now you have to listen to the talks on fear and the second step proposition, and we need to follow those instructions and look at fear. So on Wednesday, we met, and he hadn't done any work in 10 days. And I said, well, why not? And he couldn't really answer. You see, he was very willing. And he said he really enjoyed, he would take notes, he would, we would go through them. He was learning a lot, he really liked it. It was making a change in his life. And then he stopped doing it. I said, well, why did you become unwilling? And it's because his life's a little bit better. He's been sober a while. Uh, she's not on his case. They're making plans for the future. They're getting along. I said, but what happens? Why did you drink? Why did you ever drink? And, and are you gonna drink again? He says, no. I said, well, how do you know? Well, I don't want to. I said, but that doesn't mean that you won't. And I had him read page 24 at certain times. You have no defense against the first drink. You can't recall the humiliation and defeat. I said, what's gonna prevent that for you? And I said, if you start stopping doing the action, I don't know that you'll drink again, and I wasn't being mean or anything, we're just talking. I love him, he's a, he's a really nice young man. But I said, if you stop doing the work, how do you know? If you're really an alcoholic, the time will come when you'll be powerless over alcohol and you have a loss of choice and you'll drink again. I don't want that to happen for you. So I, I can see now I have to read, I'm gonna have him read this line to me when he calls me today. Remember, it was agreed at the beginning you would go for any lengths of victory over alcohol. 
and he's busy, and he said he has, you know, uh, you know, this and that. I said, but you play golf five times a week. And so is golf more important than your recovery? And I was just asking him questions, not being critical, but having him look at it so he could see for himself what was going on because I can't make somebody willing, but I can, I can let them see that maybe they're less willing. And then remember, the ego rebuilds quickly. And so the spiritual awakening requires work. And we can get spiritually asleep very quickly. And you can be sober 20-some years and get spiritually asleep uh, during the day and get really disturbed. And then I have to remind myself, I don't want to do that. I need to be with God. And so they talk about that, you know, you may not want to go to some people and make resentments, but you're going to them on a spiritual basis. And the key, key uh, lines in this section on 8 and 9 are on page 77. This is probably a paragraph, a few lines that people, everybody should know. And it, it tells, it says at the moment, at the moment, you're, you're, you're making your men's list, you're becoming willing. At the moment, we're trying to put my life in order. Now, there's two times when I'm trying to put my life in order. The first is when we're starting the steps and we're going through the process for the first time. I'm trying to put my life in order, one with God. How do I do that? Steps one, two, and three. I realize my life is unmanageable. I have no power to manage it. I have no power not to drink. Two, I'm willing to believe that there is a power that can help me. And three, I made a decision to not play God, to let that power work in my life, to serve God, not myself. And then I say the prayer. And then that puts me in a different order with God. God is God, I'm not God. I need to play the role he assigns and do his work well, and he'll do everything I need. And that's the beginning, that's the importance of steps one, two, and three. And then how do I put myself in order with my thinking? Because my thinking is what's killing me. Remember the disease centers in my mind. So how do I get in order with my thinking and see the truth about it, steps four, five, six, and seven? I look at my thinking, I look at the garage, I look at the debris in there. And I have to clean it out, face and be rid of it, and learn to see that it's of no value. It's just cluttering up the garage. And then I learn the principles so that practice in six and seven all the time. I start getting debris. I don't want debris. I start practicing my self-centered character. I don't want to do that. I ask God to help me practice his character, and it becomes almost automatic. And some days we do it quicker than others. And Joe and Charlie make the point we practice self-centeredness really well. I was really good at I was really good at my character defects. In fact, I thought some of them were my greatest attributes that I could judge, and I knew what was wrong with everybody. And I was extremely intolerant, extremely impatient. And I'm not perfect now. Don't worry. But um, I'm better because I can see that that's not. That, that doesn't produce peace. That doesn't produce harmony. That doesn't give me a feeling of service. That doesn't build positive self-esteem. And so now I want to practice God's character. And so four and five lead to six and seven. 
And that puts my life in order with my thinking. And I'm lucky because I can see today when my thinking's out of order. Now, sometimes it takes me a, a little bit. I'm out of order, and, but I say, no, I'm out of order now. Michael, you're seeing it wrong. God, help me see this differently. And that's what I was talking about last week. I was in a lot of, it was very difficult, and I was able to use the steps. I wasn't perfect, but I was able to have some kind of change the way I saw so I wasn't angry, I wasn't fearful, and I was able to get undisturbed. And it takes took a lot of work. And, um, but it works. And then how do I put my life in order with the world? Eight and nine. I want to be willing to make amends to anybody so I won't have fear of people. And so God in one, two, and three, my thinking with four, five, six, and seven, and the world, the people in my life, relationships, in eight, nine, and I do the same thing every day. So that's the, when you put your life in order to get into the world of spirit in step 10 and have the, the promises in your life, even though they're, they're only promises when you're in the now with God. You've entered the world where God's, the real world where God's God and I'm not, and I want to stay in that world. So then I have to do uh, steps one through nine every day in 10 and grow in, in understanding of God's will for me and effectiveness in carrying it out in step 11. And then by working with others, I'm getting out of self and I'm of service to God and his children and that's how I grow spiritually. And it says, so we're trying to put our lives in order, but this is not an end in itself. It says, my real purpose, so here it is, it's right in the big book, page 77, my real purpose. What's my real purpose in AA? Is to fit myself, to fit myself, to be of maximum service. So my purpose is not to be of maximum service. My purpose is to fit myself to be of maximum purpose. And how do I do that? Inventory, prayer, meditation, working with others. Practicing the principles in all my affairs. But I have to fit myself to get centered on God and, and be in the now with him, be in the world of the spirit. Uh, those are the instructions on 84 to 88 is how I fit myself and what I watch for and what I pray for and what I meditate on and what's the vision I carry in all my affairs and how I'm going to pause so I can fit myself, so I can react and fit spiritual condition. So I have to fit myself and that means I have to continue to do these th the work. To be a, and what are we trying to do? To be of maximal service to God and the people about us. Not just service, maximal service. Am I being of maximal service today to God and the people about me? Not alcoholics, to God and the people. Everybody encounter. It's like basically love your neighbor as yourself. Well, you have to be spiritually fit to be able to do that. If you're going to practice love and tolerance, you have to be spiritually fit. You have to be connected to God. And so 
uh, that line is kind of hidden. Those two lines are kind of hidden in the book. I talk about them a lot, but I bet they're not read at very many meetings for those who are listening. But you might want to read them and make it a topic. How are you going to put your life in order? Ask somebody who's new. Uh, how are you going to put your life in order? And that's where I think uh, treatment falls down because uh, treatment is different than, than the big book's uh, approach. And I'm not saying it's good or bad and there are different types of treatment, so don't get angry at me. But the purpose of AA is to, is to put my life in order and to fit myself to be of maximum service to God and others. And the directions in the book are very straightforward on how to do it. And hopefully going through these talks on the spiritual experience, I think this is number eight, will keep reinforcing how I have to do this. I'm the only one who can try to put my life in order by allowing God to put my life in order. So the first three steps are make a decision about God. Four, five, six, and seven, make a decision about my thinking and get it centered on God's character. Eight and nine is I see where I'm blocked from God through fear of people and how I have shame and guilt. So really, this is where you're getting rid of your shame and guilt in steps eight and nine of, of the things you've done. And each day, if you harm someone, you see how quickly you need to make amends. And you can see how you may have caused the situation, not them. And even if you think they did cause the situation, if you harm them in any way, you want to make that right because you don't want to be blocked. And they, uh, then they talk about the uh, uh, different uh, types of, uh, of amends and how uh, they talk about uh, going to people that you didn't like. And that's hard. And it says, how do you approach the person you hated? Notice it's the past tense. You don't want to hate anybody anymore. And you can't do eight and nine if you still haven't forgiven somebody through your fourth step. You have to have a change in your attitude towards people you were angry at. You have to see them as people who are perhaps spiritually ill just like me and that they're human beings and they have their personality and I can't change it. So I have to change the way I react to them and that's what I had to do last week. Love, patience, and tolerance, four, blank. If a person offends me, I say, how can I be helpful? God, how can I be helpful? Three, God, save me from being angry at them. I don't want to be in anger. I want to be saved from it because I'm the one who's suffering. And then I avoid retaliation and argument. We wouldn't treat a sick person that way. And I want God to give me a kind and tolerant view of everybody. And if I, if I do that uh, uh, and I forgive and have a change in my attitude towards that person, then I'm free of the bondage of that resentment. And then I want to go further. And if I harm them in any way, make amends as long as it doesn't make it worse so that I'm not blocked from them. And there are people you can't go and make amends to. I see, I think back to things when I was 20 years old or, you know, my life and, and how, boy, I should have acted differently. Why did I do that? Oh, I wish I could go back. I can't change it. 
I can't regret the past and shut the door in it, but I, I would make it right if I could, but a lot of times it's just gonna make it worse. It's not anything I, I could need to do today except understand that I don't wanna be that person anymore and I don't wanna react that way anymore. And then I've learned to forgive myself when these thoughts come up because I was just managing the world. I had the wrong manager and I was in self and I was self-centered. And now I want a new manager. Now if I don't have a new manager each day and I have the old manager, me, then I'm gonna have the same same stuff happen. The advantage now and the point of uh, being spiritually awake is that I can see now when I'm separated from God. I can see now when I'm back in self. And it ends, uh, uh, this whole section ends with, this is how God disciplines us. God disciplines me now when I'm with in the world of the Spirit because I don't feel good when I separate from Him. I get fearful, I get angry, I, I take actions based on self, I have shame and guilt, I'm in conflict with everybody and everything. I don't want to do that. Now that's what the spiritual axiom is really all about, that no matter what the cause, when I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with me. Now people argue with that and, you know, all Schwitz and this and that and all. They're not talking about that. They're talking about self-centered fear, self-centered resentment, self-centered behavior, and a viewpoint makes you disturbed. And so there's something wrong with me is that I'm back in self. And if I'm back in self, then those characteristics are coming into play. And I don't want that anymore. And so um, that's very, uh, I hope this, this makes sense. It's really, really important. And it says you go in a helpful and forgiving spirit. Now you can't go in a helpful and forgiving spirit if you still hate the person. And you have to look at these resentments and really be honest about the people that disturb you and realize who they are. They're doing the best they can. They can't be any different. I couldn't be any different. I was on people's resentment list. I can be different now. And so their behavior may not be excusable, but everything's forgivable. And I heard that and I said, wow, yeah, you can't excuse, I can't excuse some of the things that the, uh, uh, Patty's daughter did to her, said to her mother last week I, I can't excuse that but I have to forgive her and see her that she's spiritually ill and so you want to go in a helpful and forgiving spirit and we express our regret if we had uh, ill feelings and what we're trying to do is sweep our side of the street we're not trying to straighten them out because I want to sweep my side of the street. I want to clean my garage. I don't want to keep the debris. And it sets me free. And um, then they talk about money, if you owe money. And you have fear of creditors. Well, how do you get rid of your fear of creditors? You start to pay them back. And like if you borrowed money from somebody, and you haven't paid them, you might be scared to see them. And so you have to have a list of people who you harm financially and see and start be willing to make amends. If you're not willing, you're not going to lose the fear. And, and can that fear 
and that that negative feeling towards them eventually at a certain time cause you to seek the you know, uh, ease and comfort of alcohol. But even further, you want to live at peace and harmony with the world. You don't want to be in conflict anymore. You feel good when you're starting to become responsible. And uh, then they talk about uh, legal things and um, and then they talk about general principles in um, in amends. It says, reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience. That's another thing. So you could ask them, uh, remember you would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol? So ask yourself if you're willing to go to any lengths to find the spiritual experience. We ask that we be given the strength and direction to do the right thing. Now that's uh, one of the meditations on page uh, 86, 87 that people use as to be do the next right thing. But the meditation on page 87 is that we pray that I be shown through the day what my next step is to be by God and I be given whatever I need to take care of such a problems and I pray that I be free from self-will and make no requests for myself. And so that's different than me deciding what the next right thing is because I decided that and made a lot of mistakes because I was doing the next right thing based on my being spiritually asleep. But now we want to do the direction do the right thing and we ask and pray for God to give me the strength and direction to do the right thing. It says we must not shrink from anything. And then they talk about other people, things like adultery, things like that. Um, and uh, they have some uh, very good um, uh, advice and ways to do that. And then it says, uh, about domestic troubles, if you had domestic troubles. Um, and there's a lot of good information on these pages. I've gone through it in detail. And uh, it says our design for living is not a one-way street. It's good for the other person too, but we can't give them our, our design for living. They have to want it. And then they talk about jealousy and how that's so hard for people to get over. And then it comes to the famous uh, paragraph on page 82, that I'm a tornado roaring through the my way through the lives of others. And I can see that now. It's not pretty. I thought they were the tornado in my life, but I was the tornado in my life. And that's a spiritual awakening. I was the, the cause of my problems, not anybody else. And I was a tornado. And hearts are broken, sweet relationships are dead, affectations have been uprooted, selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. So I, I kept the home in turmoil. I had selfish and, and inconsiderate habits. And it says a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. It's not enough. It's not even the purpose of AA. What, what was the, what was, what did we say on page 77? We didn't say our real purpose is not to drink. It didn't mention alcohol at all. 
It says I'm here to put my life in order. And if I put my life in order and I fit myself to be a maximum service to God and the people about me, I won't drink. It won't come in the picture. If your life is in order and you fit yourself to be of service to God and others every day, you're not going to drink that day because you're in the world of the Spirit. You're in the fellowship of the Spirit. You're, you're, you're centered on God. You have a God-centered life. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to be get upset and make mistakes and this and that, but you're, you're, you're on, you're in, you're, you're the paper clip and the magnet's God and you're close enough to that magnet that you're not going to pull it away and drink. And that's what this is all about. I'm a paper clip, God's the magnet. I need to stay in, in relationship with God so that that magnet will still have power in my life. And if I stop doing the work, that magnet starts, the clip starts to drift away. And how far can it drift away and lose the power of the magnet to where I don't have any power not to drink? And then it says, uh, there's a long period of reconstruction ahead. It's not gonna happen overnight. It says a remorseful mumbling that we're sorry will not fit the bill because we've done that before and that's not that's not meaningful. And it says, we clean house with the family. Just like I cleaned out the garage, I have to clean house with the family. And I have to ask each morning in meditation, I still do this, that my creator God show me the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. But not just for the family, for everybody. And then I have to remember when I'm getting disturbed, that I'm not practicing LPTKCC, love, patience, tolerance, kindness, considering, compassion. And I want to tell you, most days, I don't really have too much, anything that really disturbs me. My life is pretty simple now. I'm not at work. I don't have any of that stress. But I can still bring things in if I want, or I can still react, but I, I'm quick. And last week, I was put in a disturbing situation. And that was, uh, that's been a change because I've been retired six years. But I could still see how the steps are so helpful. And then it's, it's been so helpful uh, uh, dealing with uh, all sorts of situations. Uh, uh, when you're dealing with, uh, especially I was trying to do this Bible study and there was one guy there who was very disruptive and very hard to deal with. And I was very kind and tolerant and eventually he decided not to come anymore. And that was great. And so somebody said, well, we had a great Bible study Thursday. And I wanted to say, well, he's not here anymore. But I didn't say that. I said, it's great because we, we have a good atmosphere and we all like each other. We're trying to learn the uh, word and get closer to God. And so uh, we're going to use this the rest of your life. I just wish I, just wish I knew what I knew now and, and understood and had the uh, tools 20, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, 35 years ago. I really wish, that's my real regret, is that I didn't know how to practice the spiritual life for years. And then it wasn't really till I was almost uh, 50 years old. And I wish I'd uh, done it sooner, but then I remember that it, it happened when it happened, it happened on God's time and when I was ready. And at least, uh, 
God worked in my life and I feel his presence today and what could be better than that and so I think uh, with that I'm going to stop the air oh sorry I always say that at the meeting I'm going to stop and then I talk a little bit longer the next the next few lines is is the next line is so important the spiritual life is not a theory quote squiggly writing we have to live it I mean really it, it's there it's so simple I have to live it every day and it, and, it, and it has to be almost every minute and so some days are easier than others but I have to live it I have to want to be in a relationship with my creator all the time I want him to be working in my life not me I don't want to be serving him and not me I want to stay out of I don't want to be in fear anymore I wasted so much time I don't want to be angry anymore and I don't want to harm others and I just want to be at peace and serene and feel useful and feel of service I do pray every day uh, who can I help today so today I have to call two people I know one's been struggling and he just got out of treatment he's back in town I'm gonna call him and ask him if he wants to have lunch not necessarily work the steps but just just make contact know it tell him he's loved there's uh, another uh, uh, person AA that I'm gonna call today um, I'm doing this podcast I hope this is of service to someone I've got to do uh, uh, something for my wife today and, and help her out with something. How can I be of service? Try to get out of self. And so um, we're going to end with the spiritual life. It's not a theory. We have to live it. And then I'll pick up on page 83 and do another uh, uh, podcast at home uh, in a few days. And if this has been, I hope this has been helpful. And it's helped me. I always feel better when I uh, finish. And that tells me that, you know, I was connecting with God, hopefully carrying his message, opening my eyes to what I need to do, and so I can be of service to him and others. Thank you very much. Have a blessed day, everybody.